this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Hop Nerd Podcast is brought to you by Hop University. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and hot practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference. No need to track down the latest guru. And no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at hopuniversity.org. That's H-O-P university.org. Howdy! Hi, everybody. It is Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I hope you know that. I love having this conversation with you. I love being able to bring you these podcasts. It's really, it's why, it's why it gets me out of bed in the morning. I really love it. It's such an amazing thing to me that we get to have all these conversations. And as you know, these conversations, that's how I believe that we make the world a better place to work. Before we dive into part two of an amazing conversation with Steve Harvey and Tony McConaughey, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com, do all that social media stuff. You know where to find me, The Hop Nerd, unless it's Twitter, it's The Hop Nerd one. You know the email, sam at thehopnerd.com or thehopnerd at gmail.com. There's a cell phone number below. There's all kinds, all kinds of ways to get in touch with me, all kinds of ways to start this conversation. We're here. We're talking about hop. That's awesome. I want to shut up because... This episode is amazing. It's part two. If you couldn't tell during the last one, it's so amazing. I didn't really have a great place to cut it. I just kind of had to find a spot where I thought it would work best. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Who knows? That's up to you. But here we go. This is part two. Let's get this thing done. Um, one thing that I was going to ask is, as you started down this path uh, and, and you move from an organization that's 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 heavy-handed or discipline-oriented, and you start to move towards kind of a, a, a more safety differently approach. How did you really work on leader reactions? Because that's a huge, huge part of this, right? Because I'm sitting here imagining myself, I'm thinking back to, to past lives, right? And I'm going, okay, I can, I can just close my eyes and remember basically directors like almost jumping up on down on desks and like throwing chairs against the wall, getting mad about stuff. And it's really mad because somebody reported something basically. Um, how do you work on that? How do you fix that? Because that can kind of, kind of sink you real fast, right? The one thing, so we have had our moments, that's for sure. So <laughs> yeah, the, way, yeah. the way that, the way that you respond really does matter. Um, and particularly from the leadership group, we, we've been fortunate with the, the one thing that I think we've done really well was two years ago to kick this whole thing off. Um, uh, Kim, the health and safety manager designed a four day safety leadership program called Safe Simple. And to this day, we've trained about 280 uh, leaders, HSRs, um, delivery partners, and also um, a lot of people now attending from outside of our organisation to come in and participate in it. Um, so it's a beautiful program of work that really um, 
tries to get people to think about their thinking and to really challenge themselves to try and do something a little bit different. So anyone who makes the comment that I've been doing this for 20 years already needs to adjust that view and park that at the door and come in and actually think, what can I learn here and how do I try and flip this on its head? to change the way that we do our work and the way that we view the people that do the work. So stay simple. It's just been a a wonderful, wonderful experience for this organisation and I really can't speak any higher of it. So I think that's been helpful to try and change leaders' views collectively around this. I think without that, we still would have had a lot more pockets of um, fury and blame coming out, but um, and we have had our moments. Like we have had our field leadership roles still responding to the you know wanting to kind of go at that person, particularly if it's someone that they're not quite um, connecting with as well. So once again, we've just been quite lucky that our executive in the operations space um, fully committed to this safety differently safety two space. And, and wouldn't have a bar of signing off on any form of blame in the way that we respond. Um, but Steve's role has been really great in working with those leaders that are on the ground, just try and coach them to be a little bit more curious. So, so that's also, you know, helped in a way. Well, that's kind of where I'll go next with that is that that piece of it is that, you know, when you have those, because you're going to have folks that react poorly sometimes, right? That's just always going to happen. You're going to have folks that react maybe not so great when something bad happens. Um, how do you coach those folks? Cause I, I've been in those positions. I've, I've, I've got some, some of my own personal insights, but I'd, I'd be interested in hearing kind of how you, how you coach those, those leaders that are at different levels. Cause I'm sitting here again, imagining the previous life of having a director uh, high in an organization, basically telling me that we shall fire this person. I'm going, we can't, well, you got to listen to me. Right. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, um, it sounds a bit cliche, but you, you have to display some empathy. So how do you, how do you as an individual, um, throw yourself out there into that trench and imagine what life is like in the job that they actually do? So how, how do you, how do you be curious about seeking to understand the world of someone else rather than, um, having a preconceived idea? So we sort of teach a lot about, um, just that seeking to understand peace, curiosity. We we have a lot of a lot of training around our work insights approach, which is the study of normal work and being curious, um, which ties in nicely to our learning team methodology. So mm-hmm. a lot of what we do with our leaders is how do you remove yourself from being the expert. You're not the expert anymore with this approach. The experts are the guys out there with the, the shovel in their hand. So how do you flip the narrative from directing to actually sort of asking? So. Yes. And really, my rule, Sam, is I'll, I'll sit down with these leaders and say, right, let's, you know, let's build the story job. Let's get the guys in. Let's talk to them and, and find out really what happened. Like if I see, like, situational aware, the lost situational awareness, Guarantee you're going to get the wrath of a Scotsman. You get angry. Yeah, I get cranky with that stuff. <laughs> um, it's just like, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I've sent reports back actually that came back with things like that. So, mate, listen, we, st- we still need to get better in that space. There's no doubt about it. But 
we bring in guys like Mark Olsen, you know, who can help us design good programs, make it nice and easy and simple for uh, investigations to be done in the field. Ideally, it would be great to get to the stage where I'm not needed in that space to help them. You know, the guys are just really mm-hmm. sort of going going their own way when it comes to investigations. Right now, I'm sort of still have to be in there just having a look and, and just make sure there's no blamey sort of narratives there, you know. Like I do see it still, I still see it quite a lot now where they say, oh, worker failed to do this or, you know, lost, <laughs> lost situational awareness, which drives me mad. We train him to get him down. Yeah. We blamed them, we yeah. trained them, and we shamed them, we blamed them, and then we trained them. Uh, back, back to work, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that, that's 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 still common, right? That's still something that's, yeah, that's pretty absolutely. common yeah. um, in organizations because it's it's. I mean, what does level? It's easy. Yeah, it's easy. It's 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 easy to say, okay, they lost situational awareness, or they didn't follow the procedure, and that's why this happened. So we can label them now and we can label them usually as stupid. That's usually what we'll say, right? They're stupid. And if we can label them as stupid, that means you can't fix stupid. And that means there's nothing to fix. So we can move on and we can, we can give them the disciplinary letter. We can put that in their file. We can get past this thing. We can maybe do a little stand down. Everybody make sure you sign your name that we did the stand down or, or go and uh, basically do some retraining and we're good. Right. So that, that still exists. Yeah, change the procedure. But it's it's funny because you it's it's and this is kind of a whole like little sad story, but uh, you mentioned uh, situational awareness and it's frustrating, right? How frustrating is it when you still see that situational awareness thing? I was in a uh, I was in a meeting uh, with an, a group that shall remain nameless, and I didn't realize that the cameras were on. So you know that that story always goes somewhere really well. And somebody started going down this whole path of situational awareness, and I've, I've just started like banging my head like kind of onto the table, kind of jokingly. And they're like, "What's wrong? What's happening? Are you okay?" Like I didn't realize they could see me, but that's it was the whole that thing. They were going into this whole talk about, well, if the person would have just paid more attention, this would. And like, oh. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work around normalizing error. So the second principle of of hot being around error is normal. So we talk a lot in our um, in safe simple and also in our movements around sight around the fact that we all make mistakes every day. Um, and also we unfairly, uh, traditionally unfairly punish blue collar workers for mistakes than we do for white collar workers for mistakes. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the stick gets brought out easier for the, for the, for the problem children out of sight. So we try and sort of say like, I can guarantee that you as a white collar worker are breaking a whole myriad of procedures in your movements throughout every single day because there are so many and it's impossible to know or follow them all. So we try and just sort of uh, talk through that complexity, which drives our conversation into the decluttering space around getting paperwork out of the way because it's making us more unsafe. The more we keep introducing more and more paperwork, it's um, it's not helping the guys out at sight. So we're trying to just change that conversation around implementing more paperwork to actually removing it. Yeah. Well, so so much of that, uh, so much of the approach that organizations have taken for a long time around complexity is to add complication. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that doesn't seem like a very good idea, 
right? We take something that's very complex and then make it complicated by adding a lot of administrative burden around it. And then we say, well, okay, we're safer now because we have this, but we're, we're usually not, right? We're usually not, not, not only is it more unsafe for the people out, out at site, but it's actually, um, the, the argument would be that it's actually, um, you're exposed more from a legal perspective as well. The more that you add, you add paper in. So yeah. it, it's just, it's, it's just a negative on both, both sides of the fence. Right. No, and I, I think it's interesting because you guys keep circling back to a part that's near and dear to my heart. You're, you're talking about changing assumptions in a lot of ways, right? You're, you're going back to this, you know, normalizing error in an organization, really targeting the underlying assumptions around error to me has always been one of the first steps in trying to make this shift. Uh, it, it automatically starts to take you away from blame. Uh, having those conversations around, uh, you know what, there's air, there's, there's rule breaks, there's rules that are bent in successful work, right? Just as much in not so successful work. And when you really paint that picture and people go, oh, and then the light bulb kind of comes on and they go, I get it now, right? And as you continue to have those conversations we were talking about earlier and really start hammering those assumptions, you start to see some amazing things happen. You can really start to embrace those hot principles, it seems like. They can really almost become your new value set in your organization. And you you can really start to see some amazing stuff happen. And that's what I always ask uh, folks as I, as I teach hot fundamentals is I ask them that. I'm like, when you look at these principles, if you really close your eyes and imagine that your organization believes these through to its core – what would really change? And the answer is everything, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely and, and everything would safety. change. But it starts with those assumptions. Yeah, and not just safety. It wouldn't change. You know, it would, it would, it would, uh, the whole organization would be thriving, mm-hmm. you know. And that's sort of where we're headed at the moment. We're, we're moving into the how do we change our ways, our processes in the procurement space? How do we um, change the way that we um, set up our next round of our code of conduct how do we work with our legal and risk ir hr um and all those other functions that sit outside of operations like how do we how do we embed this even better in those practices uh, particularly in the procurement space because we have a lot of outsourced work how do we ingrain the safety to thinking that we've got internally here but we don't necessarily um, place inside our procuring process overly well yet. That's an interesting part because that's, that's the real amazing thing about the principles. Like usually safety is the catalyst. That's usually where it starts, but then it just kind of explodes once the organization sees the value and all that stuff everywhere else. Um, and, and I think it's amazing that that's, that's when organizations kind of really start to go, okay, this is cool is when their folks start coming to them and going, I did a learning team. I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but I did one. <laughs> right? And they start kind of happening organically on their own. They're like, okay, that's that's great. Um, I, uh, one of my near and dear friends that I've had on a couple of times, Ian Allison, um, that's what he was kind of mentioning in a couple episodes back. Uh, he works in supply chain and procurement, and that's that's what they're starting to do. They're starting to do learning teams around this stuff. They're starting to do basically black line, blue line meetings. You know, they're 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 doing listening sessions and all kinds of stuff. Uh, bring two meetings, right? Bring bring two solutions to a problem meetings. They're doing all kinds of cool stuff, kind of just to get into learning mode. So it's so uh, it's so valuable everywhere in the organization. The hot principles really they're valuable throughout. It, it just becomes a value set for the organization overall. It seems like. Mm-hmm. So no, that's it's it's uh, super interesting. I think there's a lot of stuff to be said there. If you had to give. 
a couple pro tips to an organization that's, that's just starting, what would you say to them going down this path? Ask lots of questions. Be curious. And, and if you do get some gold, then you, I suppose you really need to act on it. You know, you can't sort of hear something and then say, oh, oh, that's too hard, too difficult. We'll just park that, you know. Uh, that's That would probably be my sort of advice in that space. But, yeah, just, you know, just just do it. Just have a go. That's what we're doing, Sam. We're just having a red hot crack at this. You know, sometimes we get a bit frustrated. You know, this is a government organisation, so you can imagine there's a little bit of bureaucracy, etc. with us. But, you know... People like us. People like what we're doing, you know, so just have a crack at it. Yeah, it's sort of um, the safety world. Everything everything in safety is important, but not everything is critical. So we try and leverage off um, trying to reduce the amount of noise in the safety space by only being curious about the high-risk things. So we don't want the system to be clogged up. So the one thing I'd be saying is just, you know, not everything is critical in the safety space. We don't want to hear about everything and that's okay. We only want to know about the things that are going to kill you. So just be curious around your high risk activities and remove any blame language. Um, really, that's, that's been the biggest win for us is the removal of blame. But yeah. just that alone. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things I was going to ask next is, um, so we kind of hit the pro tips and I agree that's, that's 90% of the battle is just getting started. If you just start down the path, then you just got to have the endurance, the willingness to be patient. It seems like, cause then it's this kind of multi-year process of kind of hanging on and waiting and just kind of keeping up with and just kind yeah. of, kind of tending to it really. Um, but for the organizations out there that are more traditional based right now, if you had to, uh, if you had to share something with them, what should they stop doing right now? What should they start doing right now? If you had any advice around that? Well, I suppose just like what Tony said earlier there around blame, you know, if you just eradicate that sort of word and, and those sort of businesses, you know, and start using learning, you know, I think you'll, be, you'll discover a lot, you know, mm. and building relationships with your people. I think that's a good advice for leaders, you know, just, just get in there and start yeah. being curious about their work. That's a yeah. couple of for that would be um, change the way that you're doing your leadership observations and flip it into a, an insight, a work insight approach being um, I, want, I want to hear your voice. I want to capture your story. I I'm not going to come out with a preconceived idea of what you do and mark you against that. I want to find out what you do, what's your story, and capture that as the study of normal work. And then the other thing that's been huge for us is I'd say get rid of your written pre-task risk assessments and move it into a guided conversation approach. Stop the checkbox madness and engage in better conversations, which is what we've done. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome because so many of those processes just end up not working out very well. <laughs> Check boxes yeah, are just, right. uh, oh my God. So, and, and look. Or safety people. We used to love check boxes, right? That was like the most amazing thing on the planet. Let's just add another box. But thankfully, thankfully, most of our safety practitioners out there are waking up to understand that more paper does not equal more safe. Mm-hmm. Thank there's God. Still a few, there's still a few. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But um, most, so most of them, I don't how think. Is, how, how is 
How is that for you? I mean, that's one thing I will tell you as, as I kind of wander around, uh, kind of being a little bit of a hop evangelist, um, most of the folks that I struggle with more than anything else, is probably other safety people. <laughs> How's that? How's that for you? Uh, uh, that's a dangerous question. Yeah, it's a dangerous question. <laughs> <laughs> I name, like, I don't hold punches even even internally with their own safety folks. I don't. I, don't hold their I, I, I know though. I was like, I know from my own experiences. If I've worked beside someone who's really traditionally sort of blame tech, tech like tech box focused, you know, and I've sort of said to them like, have a shot at learning some of the even the, the fundamentals. You know, it will make you a better safety practitioner. Even if you don't like it, even if you start learning about it and understanding it, if you don't take it, at least you know it and you've tried it. You know, open open your eyes a bit to it. Um, that would that's, that's certainly something that I've seen. You know, and and you know what? If you don't like it, there is businesses who will happily take you on and that and who focus on zero harm, etc. You know, but you like you need to you need to at least open your eyes to what some organisations are trying to do and what modern thinking safety professionals are trying to do. Well, it seems like for so long, you know, and, and I, I get it. I totally get it because um, I was just having this conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day. We were talking about this exact, exact subject. And that's what he was saying. He really hit the nail on the head was, listen, these, some of these safety folks have been selling this zero harm, zero this uh, pyramid approach to safety for their entire careers. And now all of a sudden you're asking them to admit that it doesn't work that great. I'm like, I, I get the app. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I grew up, I grew up around that stuff. We kind of touched yeah, on that, yeah. you know, you, you, you know, you end up kind of frustrated, ready, like outside kicking rocks. Cause you're mad about, you know, uh, that kind of approaches. I, there's pictures of me standing in front of banners that say zero, this and zero that too. Yeah. Right. But you live and you learn and then you're like, okay, and we're going to make some changes. <laughs> we're going to burn that stupid banner. <laughs> right? I, know, I know for, for me, Sam, like I, I was one of those safety guys. You know, I absolutely was one of the, so I, I used to be a car mechanic and then I sort of fell into safety as people do. And, you know, I was one of these guys that would go, oh, no, you can't do that. I don't know how you're supposed to do it, but you can't do it like that. And it was a few years ago, I was part of an investigation of a fatality where a guy had been blown up by a tire, you know, in the mining truck. And I always remember someone saying to me, oh, if you'd only followed the procedure, he would have been alive. And as a mechanic, I could really relate to the tire fitter. You know, it's like, well, we don't look at mm-hmm. procedures. And so after that, it's sort of, I started listening to the, like Disaster Cast, which I still think is one of the best podcasts going. Absolutely. And um, Bob Conklin, you know, I started. And but the biggest change, I was given Sydney Decker's book, you know, the Field Guide to Understanding Human Error. You know, and this happened all about the same time, and it was really enlightening to me. You know. And that, that changed my whole career. Yeah, that's, that's, I had, I had a similar thing, you know, I'd, I'd been around and had, uh, um, had to investigate a pretty significant event in an organization I was working for at the time. And it ended up in the same kind of place, right? It was, well, if they would have only, they basically the, the, the investigation, uh, just being part of that team, they're, they're trying to lay out an entire list of just counterfactuals, uh, well, they should have, could have, would have, and if they would have just done this, and if it were me, I would have done that. Now, how could they have not seen? It's so obvious, of course, if they would have just the normal, right? The normal stuff. And I remember at the time, that's that's when I kind of woke up to it. Very similar to that. I'm going. So you're you're seriously going to sit here at this table 
with this person that's in the hospital and going to be in the hospital for a significant amount of time. And we're going to blame them for that. We're going to blame them because they totally knew, you know, step A, do this, step B, do that. Step C, not get to see my wife and kids and lose my leg and be in the hospital for three <laughs> months. Right. That's totally what happened. Right. And so I'm going, okay, this is, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> So it's 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 interesting. It's it's interesting to see how how folks kind of come around to that. And this is always a question. I usually ask this at the beginning. We kind of jumped right in. So that, I love it. It's awesome. Are we Colton? But <laughs> let's let. No. <laughs> oh man, I forgot. No, no. We're, 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 we're <laughs> so and I, I like to ask people this. Um, you started to allude to it a little bit. How did uh, how did you guys find yourself in the safety space? I just think it's an interesting story because it's always such a weird, winding road for everybody. And how you find yourself doing this weird and wonky job? Well, I, I sort of keep repeating myself over and over over the last couple of years because this is my first ever health and safety role. But I've always felt that health and safety is a little bit has has been traditionally a little bit parked to the side of what op, what matters to operations people. So I've always sort of looked at health and safety across the fence from other functional roles and haven't necessarily seen it adding any um, value to the people that do the work. So I've, I've never, ever pictured myself working in health and safety before until I started hearing about people like Drew Ray and Sydney Decker and David Proven and Mark Olston and Tristan Casey and all these all these wonderful people that we've got in our hometown of Brisbane, uh, we're very, very, very. You guys are like the hub. Oh, You're like the hub, it's, right? It's amazing. It's just I'm about to come hang out in Brisbane. <laughs> I don't know. Once, once the pubs open up again, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just talking to Tristan there. You know, these guys, it is amazing that we really do get access. My first week at this organisation, Sam, I met Andy White, Dave Proven, Drew Ray, uh, Eric Honegel, or, or Sydney, Sydney Decker. You know, the first week, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to like working here. I've hit the jackpot. <laughs> I'm, I'm working. I'm working on Andy right now. I'm trying to get Andy on the oh, yeah, He's the smartest man. I'm working on that. Yes. So this is going to be out there, and I mean, we're going to have to hound him. We're going to have to get him on. We'll work on that for you. Yeah, yeah, so he, bloody smart. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He, he, he so you you were saying that you kind of found yourself just kind of seeing as seeing safety kind of on the outside of everything, right? Not, not and the value, and then you found yourself in this space. Uh, it seems like after you kind of heard about safety differently, safety too. Yes. Uh, so so yep, totally. You got to avoid all the other kind of crap. He's constantly whinging about me getting to do all the fun health and safety stuff. So. Yeah. I, had, I had to go through an authentic chat, and Tony gets one of the cool things. <laughs> So let's 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 hear a little bit about your journey. So how did you uh, how did you find yourself in safety? You mentioned being a mechanic, yes, so and then kind of transitioning there. Yeah, so obviously I'm from Glasgow in Scotland, and I came to Australia in you know, 2003. And I could have swore you were Australian. Yeah, no, I actually, <laughs> no. I, I'm, I'm probably, I, I am dinky die Aussie. I do have a passport. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, basically in 2006, I was actually injured in an accident. Uh, at work, well, a car fell off a hoist and landed on top of me. I think that's probably what's wrong with me. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And, uh, and yeah, it was just, I remember the organisation at the time says, look, we never want that to happen to anyone again. How would you feel about, you know, training to do, like, help us with safety? And um, like I say, Sam, I was one of those safety sort of Nazis that would go, hey, you know, you can't do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was just like I was saying earlier, when I had that conversation with the guy who said, if only he'd used the, the procedure, he'd have been alive. And that sort of really changed everything. So I started safety in about 2006 and really became interested in safety differently about 2013, 2014, after I covered sort of disaster cast and uh, Sydney Deckers and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. That's that's one thing. I'd, I'd kind of had that moment uh, that I shared with you. And then it was still a little while. Um, I was at the time I was working in commercial nuclear generation and um we a lot of that space is still very traditional, original human performance kind of stuff. The the kind of old in-post style of human performance type of stuff, HPI, human performance improvement, um, which is good, right? I, I don't think that they necessarily go against each other. It's just kind of the evolution, I believe, kind of where things go. That's a whole nother, whole nother kind of hour or two conversation we could go into. Um, but I had a buddy there and I just sharing, I was just, I was just sharing with how frustrated, how, how frustrated I was with kind of the zero based stuff. The company I was working for at the time had the zero banners, the zero posters, the target zero, this, the get to zero that, the, if you work this many man hours without this, then we're going to cook steaks and then we're going to have pizza for every yeah, so many yeah, man yeah. hours after that. And we're going to buy you shirts yeah. and it's going to be awesome. You know, and, and then uh, the funny story was, and I, I don't mean to get too far down this little uh, story thing. I'm, I like to tell stories if you can't tell. But like the day after they had that like steak cook-off, I was mentioning they had an OSHA recordable injury yeah. as bad as that is. Um, but I had a friend that was working there that, that laid – I come in and there was a book laid on my desk and a note on it. And it said, I know you're frustrated. You'll probably like this. And it was Safety Differently. It was it was, it was was Sydney Decker's Safety Differently book. And that's what I was, I was – I, I was uh, spending some time, some time with Todd Conklin a while back, and that's what I shared with him. And he's like, "You started in the middle. You, you started in the wrong book. You need to go." <laughs> I was like, I'll, "That's what started me down this path, yeah. though." So I started by reading that book, and then then discovering Conklin a little bit later on. I, I discovered Decker way before I discovered Todd, mm-hmm. uh, and then I started listening to Todd's podcast and obviously YouTube videos and kind of everything else. And now, I mean, I've just got. Books piled up everywhere. I don't know how I'm ever going to catch up reading yeah, a lot of this stuff. Yeah, we're sort of the same as well. We have a library of books, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah, where do we start? Right. I'm I'm currently reading the Decker's um, the Foundations of Safety Science, like it is. That's part of my studies, and that's a pretty awesome book. You know, it's that. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, and that that's been a real brilliant read for me. You know, it's just like starting off where safety's come from. You know, and then I dare say we're going to get to where it's going to go as the chapters go on. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, I love this book. This has been a phenomenal book so far. I'm I'm nowhere near through it. I mean, you can kind of see where I'm at, but it, that has been an excellent, excellent book, especially for somebody like me. I, I admit that I'm a nerd. So history of anything, it's, I'm totally into it. <laughs> So if you had to give some recommendations for folks out there that are just getting their toes, you know, into the water with this stuff, what uh, what book would you recommend that they read? Oh, well, books definitely start with uh, Todd Conklin's pre-accident investigation books. They're they're a lot easier to read. That I feel rather like, sometimes with Decker's books, I have to read them two or three times before it sinks in. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but look, I suppose a bit of a plug for us is we we done that documentary, the doing safety differently. Sort of a dog will be Sydney Decker. Um, 
it sort of talks about some of the things that we're doing. If you like to sort of watch YouTube things, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll throw that out there too. That that is an excellent watch. Uh, I, I shared that with uh, with my day job organization, and uh, they just yeah, because they're on this same kind of journey right now. Um, they're not quite as advanced as where you guys are at, but, but they're in the point of rolling out learning teams and doing learning teams and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, when they seen that video, they were like, Oh, this is cool. This is, yeah. They, they're like, well, this is awesome. We're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you have not seen that video, you should totally go check that out. I'll share the link to that in the, in the notes for this as well. So people can go. Yeah. It was, it was actually, it was, I mean, it was sort of sprung on me. Actually, like um, my boss, Kim, she sort of said to me, oh, can you go out and let Sydney Decker out the building? And I was like, oh, sure. It's like, geez, Sydney Decker's in the building. And then next thing, you know, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm up and I'm getting mic'd up. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not prepared for this. You know? uh, but it was, I, I had it was a, good fun. It was excellent. It was, it was really good fun to do. I had a similar experience with Todd and I joke about it all the time. This will, this will give some of the behind the scenes stuff um, that uh, he was here for a week working with, with that organization. Um, and the entire week I got volunteered into to driving Todd around. So it oh, was nice. like first thing in the morning, picking up Todd, taking Todd or, you know, escorting him through the building, everywhere else we're going, driving Todd back. Get, you know, so it was like the whole, the whole thing. I like, of course I'll do that. Yeah, actually, we should give, we should give Todd a shout out. Todd, we want you to come and visit us in Brisbane. There you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we're begging you. Yeah. It's, we, follow them all the way. Like we're, again, we're very lucky and we have met a lot of these. He's the final frontier for us today. Yeah. You know, we've, we, we, we know Dave, Proven, through, you know, all the, all the like, did, you know, all those guys, but it'd be cool to get him in Brisbane and hang out, have pizzas and beers. <laughs> well, I, I think that's something that's amazing, though. And, and like I said, uh, uh, you guys are hoarding all the really cool people. So I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of upset about that. But what's, what's really amazing, though, is how, uh, except for Todd, Todd's here in the Southwest. I think he's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So he's not far from us. He's, he's, he's still in the Southwest. I'm in Phoenix. So he's not far. But I think what's really neat about a lot of these people, um, especially several of them that you just mentioned, uh, especially, uh, Dave Proven, uh, Drew Ray, uh, Todd Conklin, all these folks. Uh, we were just talking about Andy just a little bit ago. All these folks are really active in, in social media yeah, quite a bit, yeah. and they're willing to jump in and talk to you, have a conversation with you. They're not shy. And that's awesome, especially when you look at these people, and especially if you're you're a nerd like me, you know, and you're really kind of digging into this stuff, and you really just want to continue to learn and continue to nerd out on this stuff. They're willing to just jump in and have a conversation with you, and that's awesome because they're they're the rock star of kind of what we what we do right one, one more recommendation for an easy read is um we've got a, a leading health and safety lawyer expert that we're obsessed with a guy oh, by yeah. the name of michael tuma and um he's written a whole series of really short easy to digest um uh legal lens over the safety to world against a whole heap of topics like electrical safety plants and equipment, um, asbestos, a whole bunch of, there's about a dozen of them yeah. that, because the biggest um, pushback you get with safety two type changes is that's not meeting the legislative requirements or that's not safe or that's not this. So using that um, Michael Toomer support advice and those books have been enormous for us. 
That sounds like an amazing resource because we we get a lot of the uh, a lot of the same stuff here as as with any organization to deal with the first question that they have is okay has anyone looped legal into this yeah. that's, all, that's always the first question right? yeah. <laughs> that's non compliance what are you talking about you can't, <laughs> well I think that's an interesting place so we we can't not talk about it right we have to we have to at least bring it up I know, I know it's kind of here at the tail end of it but we, we have to at least bring it up a little bit we find ourselves in a really weird kind of wacky world right now right i mean things are kind of strange with everything that's going on and i think that's one really interesting part that i would categorize as a really a silver lining to this whole kind of apocalypse situation that (laughs) is that the organizations are realizing they're like hey you know what we do have to adapt right We, we do have to be adaptive hey you know maybe we do have some rules that hurt more than they help um, I share this example quite a bit. I, I, I was talking to an organization the other day. They said, listen, we're, we need people to wear respiratory protection, but they're outside of their qualification period. We haven't been able to do their medical clearance. We haven't been able to do a fit test for them. Wear the respirator. Put them in the respirator. It's fine, right? I get that it's not compliant, but we're in this space where we're like, okay, is that really a life-saving rule? Is that really something that's that super important? So I think one of the one of the interesting silver linings is coming out of this whole situation uh, is that we're starting to some of the laws and rules that maybe aren't so necessary are starting to show their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we 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 get it a little bit with the pushback around the legislative requirements. So we um we do with our with our decluttering projects, we do. We do get our legal advice and recommendations from uh, Michael Turner in the first instance to help back up what we're doing. Um, but we also just um, specifically open up the legislation because most of the times and more often than not, there's no, it's all folklore or, or made up that it's meant to be part of the legislation. So we just, we just open it up and say, well, we're happy to, to, to meet what you're saying, but just we need to see in the legislation where it says that. And that also helps to sort of remove any sort of, I guess, opposition to the change. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sort of, we, we partner a fair bit with the Queensland government, you know, the regulator, you know, we get them in and come, come and see what we're doing, you know, come and talk to us, you know, we invite them to our events, you know, so... Yeah, Steve's the biggest networking queen going around. That's the best part about him. <laughs> well, that's I think I think that's a really a really valid point because we do that quite a bit here too. Um, you know, obviously in in the United States we have we have kind of the overarching federal program of OSHA, um, and then kind of under that we have several states that have state run programs, such as Arizona, where I reside. We have we have ADOSH, which is the Arizona Department of Occupational Safety and Health, and those folks are actually super interested. In this new evolution of safety, most of them are not these government bureaucrats, right? They they want to come out and learn and like, this is cool. And so we can influence those folks quite a bit, it seems like, by showing them these successes. Uh, I don't see much of these folks being kind of sticks in the mud. A lot of them are like, okay, this would be cool. Yeah. That's Steve's motto is to take safety two to the masses. He says it every day. My whole goal in life is to take like safety it. two to the masses. That's a good goal. I love it. You need to come over and spread some of that around here with Ocean. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're trying it. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's a good point. They are interested. You know, I, I one of our delivery partners, contractors, like uh, 
they they really got the regulator involved with some of the changes that we're doing. So I sat in in some of the meetings, you know, and they were like, yeah, yeah, it's good, but we're so used to seeing this. I was like, yeah, but come with us, you know, come on the journey, you know. But it's just like what we were saying earlier, Sam, you know, paperwork, it's just easy, right? It's just easy to see, you know, even though people don't really use it. Well, not, not everyone, but, you know, it's not really used. It should be used. You know, these guys are interested. So it's up to people like us and you to sort of start influencing them. Well, I think, you know, they're, they're really no different than, than, um, seems to be anybody else, right? Uh, even if they're, they're resistant and we, you, you kind of touched on it earlier on, um, which I think is interesting, kind of the use of like the general adoption curve overall, right? You're going to have kind of your early innovators. You're going to have kind of the folks in the middle, early adopters, late adopters, and my favorite word laggards. You're going to have laggards there as well, kind of way at the end. And a, a lot of times we, we, we would think that some of those regulators would fall into that space, but a lot of them, once they hear this stuff, it kind of resonates with them too. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think they really care. I think they just care about what works. I think they're yeah, okay with whatever works. Yeah, as long as we're keeping people safe, right? right. You know, that's it's the safe systems of work really. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people who have got massive, massive systems. They still kill people, you know, and then you've got these people that basically have nothing in place. But if you were to go in, you would see, you would see all these innovation and like adoption to work, you know, like what they were doing. And that's the, probably the, one of the biggest misconceptions around safe simple. Our program around safety too is the, the opposition to it is that they believe that we want to get rid of all paperwork and we're actually unsafe people. So we're unsafe, we're unsafely trying to unpick everything. Um, but all, all we're trying to do is use the voice of the worker to craft up the things that they actually want and need. And that would mean naturally that probably 60 or 70% of things could go. Um, but yeah, yeah. all we want to do is rewrite things based off the voice of the worker. Yeah, we can't be that in the backpack. You know, that's, they're getting that weight off your shoulder. You know, that's really what we do. That's what we're trying to do with some of our decluttering projects. You know, some, like some documents that I've read could be 50 pages long, you know, and it's like, you know, we're probably losing a lot of information in those 50 pages. You know, let's try and trim it back. Can we make it one page? Can we make it a video? You know, can we make, we have cartoon? Can we remove it? Yeah, we have a cartoon safety policy, you know, something something a bit different rather than the written safety policy with that cartoon, you know? We use cartoons a lot in the work that we do. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. When when you and I first kind of connected, we had shared some of that stuff. You shared some of that with me. And I, I love that. That was just so cool and just so innovative. It was so – the word that we use here uh, that we've kind of used in our organizations have been uh, – we call it either corporate or starchy. It's really starchy, right? You have the kind of the old style written stuff. To, to, so to see a cartoon safety policy, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> number one. And number two, it's totally the opposite of this normal kind of dry, boring. Yeah. Cause the first thing when you say safety, we can say it. The first thing that comes to mind is boring. Yeah, we, right? That's usually the first thing. Not here though. Sam, so if you see something trying. that's not boring, I'm like, I'm a, I love it. I agree. It's great. But we, we don't get trouble for laughing. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> like, I think fun is really our highest value, really, when it comes to the safety team here. Yeah. You know, like we are always laughing. We're always having fun, you know, and yeah, we are definitely not traditional safety people. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, you remember the sort of relationships that you've had in the workplaces you've been at. No one remembers any of that other crap. So 
it's all about how well do you build and enhance other people's lives, really. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Now, and I, I thought it was really interesting, as you were kind of mentioning, kind of decluttering and going from documents that are 50 and 60 pages to shrinking them down to one or to a video or to a cartoon or something that's actually useful. I think it's that's a piece that we forget or have forgotten about procedures, especially, is that procedures are not supposed to be a hindrance. They're supposed yeah. to help you accomplish something. Right. And we've forgotten that for a long time in the safety world. I think just in, not just the safety world, I think our organizations in general, we've seen these massive documents. Okay. We just have to make sure we have everything in it because if we put everything in it, nothing bad can happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you see it as a protection, don't you? It's like a safety, a safety comfort blanket, some of your documentation, <laughs> but it's the exact opposite a lot of the times. Yeah. And it's exactly, it's, it's, it's back to that point. I share that with people all the time is that if you want to have uh, really solid procedures is number one, back to the, back to some uh, Conklin thing, right? Have the people that have to help you or have the people that have to use them, help you write them. Mm -hmm. That's probably rule number one. And number two, make sure that it actually helps you accomplish mm -hmm. something, right? Again, I, we've, for the longest, and I've even heard organizations, organizations have told me this. They go, no, 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 no. We designed the procedures to specifically slow people down so they can think more about what they're doing. And I'm going, they're just going to naturally develop a workaround if you're trying to slow them down. Yeah. Like it's human nature, right? If you're trying to slow me down, I'm going to zig over here and go around it because I don't want to be slowed down. I'm a person that I crave, I crave efficiency. I want efficiency. Help me do something efficiently and I'll probably we can probably get it done safely too, right? Yeah, I mean, some, of, some of the things that we are looking at next is going to be like a freedom within a framework sort of style document. So we create mm -hmm. the goal. This is what you're going to be doing around. Here's some of the, the critical controls that you need. So these are like, we can't move on these. This is what you need. How you get there is up to you. You know, that's, that's really what the plan that we would like to try and get next. You know, some of the, that's really, I mean, that's quite, it's harder, it's easier said than done, to be honest, we've had a look at it, but it's definitely something that we'd like to do. Well, and I, I've heard, I've heard frontline folks share the same thing with me. It's, it's this, it's, it's okay. Give me, give me some framework and the framework is, is, should be kind of rumble strips, right? Here's some, here's some rumble strips on either side of the road that tells me that I'm getting maybe too far out of where I should be. Um, but other than that, give me a really brief set of something that says, this is how you don't die doing this task. Yeah. And then let me do everything else. I'm good figuring everything else out. Just give me the, the three or four things that keep me alive. What, what are my critical controls? Yeah. Right. What, what are those things? You know, I, I, that's why I kind of, I kind of love the whole, the whole sticky thing, the, the stuff that kills you. We'll censor it a little bit. It's the stuff that kills you. Right. And so, and then asking, okay, what's, what will kill me here? Right. What are the essential controls and are those enough? And then other than that, let's get that settled and let me adapt. Let me figure it out. Let me innovate. You know, it's, 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 I'm trying to make, for me, I've always, when I first started down this path, I always said I wanted to, to make creativity and safety cool again because we've kind of demonized people being adaptive or being creative. Uh, when they're doing all that stuff anyways, yeah. right? And we should be going out and going, okay, how did you do that? That's really cool. You need to teach me how you did that. Actually, Sam, that's <laughs> one of the, sometimes we, not criticized, but we have people in the organization say, you always want to make it cool. You always want to make it fancy and jazzy. Can we just have like a normal, like a normal document? <laughs> what would be the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, we've been going for quite a while, guys. I appreciate you uh, kind of coming in and hanging out. So I like to ask everybody this. 
any last words, any final words, any words of wisdom that you would like to share with folks out there, with folks that other safety practitioners, other leaders, folks out there in this space, whatever, any, anything at all that you'd want to share as far as words of wisdom. Just keep being curious for me. Yeah. Just, yeah. Think about the way that you respond because that really matters. Um, and enhance, enhance people's lives. Don't detract from them. So, um, keep a good sense of humor and be patient and expect detractors, um, but stay calm, measured and, uh, stay focused on your goal. I like it. I love it. Thank you guys for coming on so, so much. Thank you. We've loved it. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Yeah. Good on you. And if people reach out to us, yeah, happy for that to happen, you know. There you go. How can how can people find you? Uh, well, for me, I, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if you have a look for Stephen Harvey, uh, you'll find me uh, standing on top of the Story Bridge in Brisbane. That's my photo. <laughs> uh, but also I've got like a an Instagram account, Safety Boy, B-H-O-Y. If people want to come give me a few likes, that would be good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some of your posts over there. They're pretty funny. I like yeah, it. I mean, that's, it's, 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 it's hilarious. Yeah, it's just about really, again, it's, I just want to make safety fun. Taking the piss. Yeah, it's just taking the mickey and, just, you know, uh, a lot of those photos have been taken by me as well, you know. So if I see something quite interesting, I'll post it, you know. And, and it's I think my tagline is it's all about fun and learning. So, yeah, please have come and have a look. I just jump onto my LinkedIn page as well, Tony McConaughey, and we can um, we can connect from there. But we we we're I'm constantly catching up with people from around the world and in Australia and having conversations and sharing some of the things that we're up to. So we're very happy to to um, link up um, virtually or over the phone, whatever it might be. So yeah, please do. Yeah, and people can have a look at our videos as well, Sam. You know, we've cre- we've created a few videos uh, and. I'm not quite sure where, I think they might be on uh, Urban YouTube, yeah. yeah, Urban Utilities uh, YouTube page, you know, so uh, definitely check them out as well. They, they pack a lot of punch. They're really good. Awesome. Yeah. So that definitely, definitely check all that yeah, out. Check you guys out on LinkedIn, all that stuff. Yeah. And then, so again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, maybe at some point in the future, we'll have to try to meet up in person. That would be amazing. I think I'm going to have to come to Brisbane and try to meet all these amazing people that hang out yeah, with you. I'm pretty sure we That's could. That's going to. Let us know you're coming over. I'm sure we could do something. Yeah. Definitely, man. Yeah, Kim, you want to try and get? We've got to wait. She's really trying to get Kim. We've, we've got to try to schedule it between between apocalypses. We've got to wait, you know, sometime yeah, this not, is over before co- the next one happens. Yeah, we're not coping we've with these bars being closed. That's what <laughs> it's pretty rough, right? It's pretty rough. <laughs> oh, how amazing is that? I mean, I we're sitting here, we're hanging out. Uh, it was kind of late on my end, and and I guess sort of midday on their end. And uh, we just went on and on. It was just such an amazing conversation. Uh, I'm geeking out over here because it was just such such a fun conversation. That's all I can say about it. I like it. I love it. I got to have more of it. I can't wait to have these guys back on. It's going to be a blast. That's all I've got for you. There's nothing else I can say. It was super cool. So until next time, it is Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.